Joining me on the show today is Sammy J. He's best known for working with the Purple Puppet Randy. They had a successful TV series last year on ABC, which is now available all over the world, and they do a lot of live shows. Sammy's been on the show before, but today he's back with a whole lot of new tales and some exciting new projects to discuss. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome to Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and joining me on the show today is Australian comedian Sammy J. He's got a brand new show coming to the Adelaide Cabaret Festival, one of the most renowned festivals in the world, and he's also about to do an exciting political project for the ABC. He talks about both of those projects as well as his new London and UK tour with his comedy partner Randy. Uh, that's announced first here on Benjamin Mamakay's Talk To Me, so stay tuned for the details and a whole lot more. Just a quick note that this is uh, rated PG. There is a little bit of swearing in this episode, uh, so if you're easily offended by that, uh, tune out. But otherwise, sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with Sammy J. Welcome to the show, and thanks for coming back to join us again, Sammy. My absolute pleasure, Benjamin. Hello to you. Hello to all listeners. Now, it's been a good 18 months since you're on the show, so how have you been? I've been pretty well. It, it doesn't feel like 18 months. Um... I'm suddenly desperately trying to think of all the things that I can report back. Well, that would have been 18 months ago. We would have just finished filming and editing Ricketts Lane, I reckon. Uh, you were just about to go into production for it, actually. Oh, my gosh. So, yes. Well, well, in that case, a lot has happened because we did that show and the show came out and um, and life has gone on and now I'm I'm still alive. That's the main news. That is. As are you, I assume, unless this is some sort of advanced, you know, automaton version of Benjamin that I've been given. Not yet, but I think we're progressing towards that just so we can time manage a little bit better in the future. Imagine that, if we could just send our little robot versions of ourselves out. That would make it so much easier. <laughs> now, uh, so, some listeners were a little bit concerned, Sammy. They want to clarify that you haven't murdered Randy to pursue a solo career. <laughs> well, 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 well. Poor old Randy did genuinely get sick, and, and those who saw our show, Sammy J and Randy Land at the Adelaide Fringe this year, um, they didn't realise at the time, but they were exceptionally lucky because they're amongst the very small proportion of people who bought tickets to that show in Australia who did get to see the performances <laughs> because when we got to Melbourne, Randy got a little bit sick and we had to cancel a few shows and then, then we had to cancel more shows and then we had to cancel Sydney, Perth, New Zealand and some other state or country that, that, that escapes me um, because Randy got genuinely sick and he's thankfully now on the mend, but... Um, but, yes, it was, it was, it's been what was going to be a very busy few months turned into a very quiet few months. And, look, if I then happen to get some solo jobs along the way, Benjamin, then, then I'll just mm. take them because a man's got to eat. But there was, no, there was no ill intent behind it all. Randy genuinely got sick. Well, it's uh, good to hear that you've kept your police record clean, at least. Yes, uh, yes, exactly. Get someone else to do it for you. You know, keep, leave no trail. Of course. Now, um, you did mention Ricketts Lane, which was on ABC last year, and it was hugely popular, and now it's accessible all over the world. At what point did it start to gain international traction? Well, before before it even went on the ABC in Australia, it was picked up by um, CISO, which is a new comedy streaming channel sort of owned and operated by NBC. And that was really cool. So, it was, you know, it was nice that before it had even been released that they got on board it and then and then it was sold to Netflix about a month or two ago but you know to be honest and I feel like maybe it's all sort of smoke and mirrors uh, <laughs> you know uh, there's no point uh, that, that the show is sort of um, 
you don't get a phone call from some producer who says, hey, you know, now you're big in America. You just sort of get told secondhand or you find out on the internet that it's gone on Netflix and and you hope people are watching it. But it is a slow burn thing. Um, I, there's, there's been no immediate huge sort of change in our lives or anything, but, but we, we're very... We love the show. We got to make the show that we wanted to make. And, um, you know, hopefully we get to do more of it at some point in the future. Mm. So a second series is something that you're looking at? We hope so. Um, yes. I mean, the ABC have said no. So, uh, you know, that's that's a stumbling block. But, you know, never never let a network saying no to you um, stop you from <laughs> pursuing your dream, Benjamin. That's what we've learned. Uh, well, <laughs> I mean, as you said, you're on Netflix in the UK, I think. So Netflix is renowned for picking up shows that haven't been able to pursue TV careers. Is that yeah. something you're talking to the Netflix guys about? Yeah, we are. Well, we're actually, we're heading over to, um, this is an exclusive. I've never not announced this yet, but Randy and I, our, our comeback special, following his illness, is going to occur in London in July for our very first shows in London, which we're pretty excited about. That is um, hugely exciting. So we're doing some shows in London and, and, and Dublin, and and we're, you know, we're sort of just seeing that as a bit of a litmus test. You know, if it's just three people in the audience like it was on our first UK tour eight years ago, we'll assume that we haven't quite hit the motherland. Um, but if there are people who have come along who have been watching us on Netflix, then um, that would be great. So I think we'll sort of take it from there. Mm. And what was it like writing a and writing and creating a TV show compared to doing theatre? It was uh, exceptionally different. You know, very very fun for different reasons. You know, the, the theatre is my life, and, and that's sort of what I will always do. And so, you know, as you will know, um, there's nothing quite like being in front of a live audience. Um, but the TV thing was was different in that we were creating something that we knew would would stick around. You know, and that would still exist in ten years, for example. And so I think we spent a lot more time sort of you know really working mm. on we, we, we wanted to create a show that this wouldn't be thrown away straight away by people who watched it that they could return and, and keep watching so i guess to answer your question it was sort of we were more meticulous about it and we stressed a lot more about it and the whole journey was sort of three or four years in the end of, of making the show so uh and and then the other thing is when on thin theater you, you, you know you're performing and you're enjoying that moment in the moment but with the tv show the most part, the most fun part of the TV show was making and writing it. That was when you were laughing and having fun on the set and standing on a set, you know, with, with people all around you helping helping create the show was amazing. But the the worst part of the whole experience was the releasing of it and waiting, you know, because the ABC didn't play it for eight months after we delivered it, and then they released it on iView, which was not origi- the original plan, and then, then it went on TV. But but, but but all that stuff was more sort of business stress, and you're worrying about whether people watch it or, or like it and all that sort of stuff. So. There was a big separation between the release, of, you know, the creation of the work and the audience response, which is very different to, to the live world. Mm, certainly is. Now, I think your show was one of the first to be exclusively streamed on iView before television. How did that whole process occur from the business side? Um, it, well, you, you're right. It was, it, we, we, it, was, it was the first for ABC to release it all before TV. They've, they've done a bit of before, you know, they'll have the first episode on TV and at the same night they'll put the whole series on, but we were sort of... We went on iView a month before going on TV. And I think it would be broadly classified as a failed experiment from, from the ABC's end um, because I don't. it's a bit of a mystery to us in terms of what their main objectives were. But, you know, the sort of idea was that I, th- I think they thought that the, the show skewed would, would skew quite young in its viewers, you know, and, mm. and the ABC are trying to chase younger viewers in general because their average viewership is, is tends to be a bit older. So they, And they were trying to corral people towards iView, which is an awesome obviously the best streaming platform in Australia, I think. So that was done. But then the problem was with that, I think, you know, the the general, the the general punter out on the street and certainly the feedback that I get is is people didn't quite realise then that it was going to be played on TV and even when it was played on TV, 
you know, we, all the promotion had been spent on the Ivy launch and everything. So I still have friends or even family members saying, oh, you, when's the show going to go on TV? And, and they don't realise it was always intended for that. And I think that did affect perceptions of it a little, where it was sort of viewed as a bit of a web series rather than a legitimate TV show, um, which is a shame because I think that did, did play into the second series decisions of the ABC. But all that stuff is, you know, the business end of it and... and to be honest, I'm not the best person to ask because I don't actually know all the all the thinking that went behind it. I just I don't think it went in the same way they were hoping. Mm. Okay, and you mentioned obviously the ABC has an older viewing average. So did that affect at all how you wrote the TV series? Um, it, we tried not to. We certainly, you know, we, we, we were writing for a, a mainstream crowd, which is what we wanted to do anyway. So, for example, when you see us live on stage, we'll swear probably every three words, but in six episodes of our TV show, there's only two F-bombs in the whole series. So, so we were conscious of not wanting to put people off um, and creating a show that, you know, people could, of all ages could watch. Um, having said that, uh, if we, you know, if we were to do it again or, or, or next time around, I reckon we would probably be even less risk-averse and, and bring more of that sort of live element to it because, again, you know, <laughs> writing something for a sort of mainstream crowd but then it goes, you know, when it's released on iView, we sort of realise well, there could have been some more risks we could have taken comedically along the way. So I guess you learn from each experience. Mm. Now, one thing that I'm sure will uh, ease your mind a little bit is that we've had a lot of overseas uh, listeners write in to, to send you some questions. And really? Yeah, a lot from the US. So obviously you've started to build a bit of traction in the US and people would love to know if there's going to be a DVD release coming in the future, because not everyone has access to CISO as yet. Well, what a delightful question, and that has buoyed my spirits, because uh, genuinely, you, you don't get a lot of feedback. I think one person from Alabama wrote to me on Facebook, and that was it. And so you'd have no idea what people are watching. So thank you to anyone who is listening to this, who has watched the show. The answer to the question is, I, I have absolutely no idea. I said, I'm so unsatisfying all my answers, but I really am at the bottom of the information chain, even when it comes to my own work. <laughs> um, and so... Um, I would never encourage people to torrent my own show, but I'm pretty sure you know there are ways of getting it if you don't have CISO. <laughs> but I think CISO also is very cheap. I think it's like three or four bucks a month. So I would encourage you to sign up at least to you know three or four dollars for our series. I think is a, is a worthwhile price. Um, but I don't believe there are currently uh, DVD plans. But you know it's only been out what for three or four months in in, in the states. So I certainly hope that um it will it will continue to to find its audience there. Mm, that'll be fantastic, and um. As you mentioned, you've been on. Well, you've done some shows with Randy in Sammy Jane Randyland this year. Where did that idea spring from? Well, the, it, it actually sprang. You know, I was talking about that that more annoying business side of making mm. the TV show when you're waiting around and, and waiting on deals and stuff. And so we decided that a good premise for our new live show would be that we we um, over uh, uh, we we've inadvertently assumed that the TV show would be some global hit straight away. So we borrow $3 million and open a theme park off the back of our expected success. <laughs> and so um, uh, the whole storyline sort of involves us realising very quickly that we've um, exaggerated um, how famous we would be and everything starts going very badly. But but it was a way of resetting the, the show so that it wasn't, you know, the, the, the Sammy Jane Rainey on stage are quite different to Sammy Jane Rainey in the telly show because the telly show is its own little world. Whereas on stage we can actually refer to our TV show as a show that we made, if that makes sense. So it's a bit of a meta um, mm. adventure to begin with. And how's that show been received so far? Uh, the live show, well, we had great a great run in Adelaide. We had big, wonderful five-star reviews. Crowds would line the streets for tickets. And then little Randy bloody went and got sick. Uh. Uh, so 
Apart from that, it hasn't been received at all, but we are planning a return tour in, in Melbourne, hopefully Brisbane and Sydney uh, later in the year. Um, so, so people will get to see it. And I hasten to add to international listeners, we're also going to be filming the live shows as well because uh, um, YouTube will give you a flavour of what we do live, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty fun and high energy um, and pretty stupid along the way. Mm. Well, that does answer another one of the, the, the frequently listener-submitted questions. Oh. Uh, people want to know if your live shows, because you've got a couple of DVDs already. You've got uh, Sammy J and Randy Live and also 58 Kilograms of Pure Entertainment. Are they going to be released internationally at some point? Gosh, these are, these are, these are questions I've never normally faced from my little uh, Australian cocoon, but um, I don't believe they'll be officially released for now, but I certainly if you go by my website and stuff, there, there's... Um, you know, the, uh, my producer who handles merchandise and stuff uh, often ships overseas, so you can a- always go that way. Um, Bin Night is the other live show that we did, which is, for anyone who, who has watched Ricketts Lane, um, episode five, where we stake out the Bin Bandit, is based on our, our second live show. And if you can't find it online, I know it's on Netflix in Australia, but there's a DVD as well um, of the original live show, Bin Night, which is very instructive to watch because that was the, that was the one episode, one live show that we tried to convert into an episode, and it ultimately coming back to your earlier question about the difference between live and TV, we thought that that would be the easiest episode to write because we thought, well, we've already got a live show based around this storyline. You know, but, um, but when we tried to convert that into a 25-minute sitcom, it was really difficult and we ended up throwing a lot of it away. So it's, it's fun to watch the live show and see which bits remained and which bits changed. Mm. So have you seen an almost evolution of your comedy style and writing as you watch all your DVDs and now the TV show? Oh. Uh, I don't watch the DVDs much because I do because, you know, it's hard to watch um, from stuff that may be five years old. And I think that probably answers your question because, yes, I think I definitely have changed. And I think, you know, you retain the exact same sense of humour. I still find the same things funny, I think, that I found funny when I was a teenager. Um, But I think you get better at writing and delivering that that comedy to try and bring more people on on board. So for me, it's just always about that, you know, how can you surprise people and how can you, um, you, you know, do something unexpected within whatever world you've set up. So Randy and I are the classic example because we sort of look like a kid's act, you know. Um, however, that surprise will only last three minutes if you're not then funny and, and following up with more surprises. So, yeah, I think, I, I th- I think I've changed. But at the same time, you don't want to, you know, I, I try not to change too dramatically because I think I feel very blessed that I, that I have an audience out there somewhere and, and, and that Randy and I together have an audience and, you know, you, you want to take them with you. I, I still like people to be watching our shows or buying a ticket in 20 years' time if we can keep evolving and... and mixing it up enough. Mm. So where do you see your, your future going? Straight to jail, then, because I've just encouraged in Americans to to, um, to torrent my own show, <laughs> so I'll probably get a call from CISO after this podcast is released. Um, but failing a conviction, look, to be honest, just I've got lots of, a sort of list of things I'd like to do, um, and, and you just make your way through them. I'd, I'd love to write a book. I'd love to write a musical. That's probably my, my number one burning desire at the moment, because I'd, I'd like to see what sort of songs I write if I'm not writing them for myself because I, I've got my limited abilities as we all do, so my voice or my playing. But but if I'm if I was writing songs for actual people who are, you know, trained singers and stuff, comedy songs that is, but um I'd love to see where, where that would take me and whether I'd write in a different style. So that would be that would be fun. And then yeah, and then Randy and I separately as our own little beast, I, you know, I'd love to be making a film with Randy. We'd like to make another series and, and see where that takes us as well. Mm. So we've certainly got a, a great bucket list there. I mean, musical theatre and comedy musicals are, are doing superbly well at the moment. There's something rotten on Broadway. I mean, look at Tim Minchin who wrote Matilda. That's a great musical. So there's certainly opportunities oh, arising. Absolutely. And it's, um, 
as always, the question is how do you do it in a way that will you know make enough money to cover your time, <laughs> and um, and you know put the, put the best work out there because that's that's the problem with all artists. It's, it's you're trying to create work all the time, but you don't want to put second rate stuff out there. And so, you know, often I'll write a song which which is perfectly fine, but I, I never end up performing because I just don't think it's it's the best that I can do. So, yeah, I, I think finding time for that for that creativity is, is one of the bigger challenges as well. Mm, and getting paid for it. And getting paid for it. Or, or, yeah, or finding some nice, rich, you know, investor who will just look after you for the rest of your life. Uh, if any nice, rich investors are listening in America. <laughs> wouldn't that be out. nice? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, obviously things are going very well for you, so you're about to return to Adelaide, uh, which is the capital of all things. Yes. And uh, this time you're bringing us your songbook. How did you get involved with the iconic Cabaret Festival? Well, that's a question I ask myself every day at the moment because it's, it's coming out quickly and, um, you know... You, I've always called myself a comedian, not a cabaret artist or, or even not a musician. I, you know, I just, I just do comedy. I try and make people laugh and I use the piano as my my, my sort of servant, if you like. Mm. Um, but very fortuitously, Eddie Perfect and Ali McGregor um, are, are the guest directors this year or the directors this year of the Cabaret Festival and having worked in, with them and known them for many years now, they I think they specifically had an interest in getting more um, comedians involved in, in the festival and very generously invited me to come along so so that, that that's the specifics of how I got there but it's really it's 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 really fun because this is a show the songbook is just all my solo songs you know that or the best of them and a few new ones as well thrown in so it's a very fun very relaxed um hour and certainly I'm hopeful that it's a sort of show that people who might not have seen me on my own before or are only seen with Randy and interested in what I do would um would come along and and you know experience that sort of slightly different side as well mm. so it's a combination of old favorites as well as a couple of new ones then that is the, that is the best way I could describe it. Yes, um, I think the oldest joke, the oldest joke goes back about twelve years. In fact, I've got my piano here. I'll sing it to you. I'll sing it to you and your listeners. This is the first joke I ever wrote. You ready for this? I am ready. Okay. Can you hear that piano? I can. Here we go. Imagine there's no lyrics. <laughs> and so on and so on. That was the first joke I ever wrote. Thank that, you to all my listeners on Preacher's Podcast. That, um, that's a great right joke. 2003, I think. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's the oldest one. And then there's uh, mainly more recent things. And, you know, I, I've now got um, two, two daughters, and so I, I get to talk about that on stage as well, and, and you know, the sort of family side of the J. Um, and, yeah, so it's sl- slightly more personal, but I also sing songs about mermaids and all sorts of bizarre shit as well. So it's, mm. a, it's a veritable tasting plate, Benjamin. And uh, I think when when we last had you on, which as we said was quite a while ago, you said your favourite song to do was "Keep It Clean." Is that still the same, or has it changed since then? Ooh, good question. Well, it, it's probably changed because I still love that song, but the dance moves—you know—I have to dance in that song. Um, I think probably "Delete" has. You know, it's, it's like having footballers on a bench, and it's the first and last time I'll ever use a sporting analogy. But you know, you sort of bring your favourite players on and off the field, maybe. So, I think the song "Delete," which is all about what we're going to do with our with our photos and things when we die, all the things that are on our, on our computer. And I, I really enjoy that song because I think it's got the right mix of laughs, but also it makes people think about it, think, and, and it makes sometimes people get a little bit uh, teary. Maybe that's because of the song or maybe it's related to just having emotional issues. But, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing that, particularly because they're providing a grand piano for me, um, which will be a delight. I just hope my fingers don't slip too much on the nice ivory keys. It's always lovely playing a grand. <laughs> it is, so long as yes. 
So uh, I, just feel, I feel slightly illegitimate at a Graham, but I think that's part of the comedy. <laughs> so um, tell us, tell us about how you write a comedy song. Gosh, I, if I had an answer, then I would, I would have a lot more comedy songs. That I, I, I wish there was a, <clears throat> I wish there was an easy answer. I wish there was an easy process. But for me, it really is. No, normally, it'll, it will start with a hook in my head. It'll be something lyrical and musical at, at once. So I don't tend to really ever just have a have a melody without lyrics, and I don't tend to have <clears throat> many lyrics without a, a melody. It'll be something like, um, uh, I'm trying to think of, of, of the best example. Let's take, oh, well, there's a song called Moral Dilemma in, um, in, in Ricketts Lane in episode six that, that I sing um, when I have to decide whether I'm going to prosecute Randy or not uh, for terrorism. And that's just a classic example because the, the chorus and, and the hook of that song is uh, my boss Borkman starts singing Moral Dilemma, Moral Dilemma. And I, you know, Randy and I, when we were writing, just found that funny, and we had that as a basis. So we just started throwing in lines around that, knowing that the moral dilemma would come back in, you know. And, and that doesn't really have a chorus as such; it's more a sort of call and response style song. Mm. Um, that's just a, one completely random example of how I do another one. I'm about to start work on a song, a love song to Tony Jones from Q and A, which will mean nothing to international listeners, but um, he's a, a favoured journalist here in Australia, and I know the vibe. I don't know where it's going to go yet, but but. Uh, I, I have an idea for the song. Um, but look, the answer is there is no process, and if you have one, please give it to me, cause it, cause, because sometimes I'll spend, as I say, I'll spend days writing a song and, and the result is not very good, but some of my best songs normally have been written very quickly because I think when the idea and the spirit is there, you know straight away and you just sort of go into something resembling a trance and just keep writing. Absolutely, and listeners can see all these songs in your songbook at the Cabaret Festival, which is coming up later this month. Where can people get tickets? They can get tickets... Uh, at the Adelaide Cabaret Festival website, or if you just Google Sammy J Adelaide Cabaret, I assume there's no other Sammy J's in Adelaide masquerading as cabaret artists, so hopefully that Google search will take you straight to me or my Facebook page. Um, I'm doing a Saturday night show, and then, you know, in a world first for me, I'm doing a Sunday afternoon matinee, <laughs> which, will, which will just be delightful. I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know who is coming to my show on a Sunday afternoon, but if it's you and you're listening... We're going to have a lot of fun. Mm, that seems a very unusual time, considering your audience. Well, precisely. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, 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 I've stru- I, I always stru- structure this show, and I, and I can do it more on my own as well, um, in terms of, you know, easing people in. Randy and I come straight out, and we're into, you know, we're fucking animals, we're doing all sorts of things. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but on my own, you know, I can ease people into it. It starts quite gentle, and we only start getting a bit weird at the sort of halfway mark, um, by which point I've hopefully earned their trust. So whatever your age, I hope you're going to enjoy yourself in, in, in my presence. Mm, I'm sure people will. Now, I mean, looking forward, a project you've had on the go for quite a while now is the 50 Year Show. How far away is the next instalment? Uh, thank you for raising it because it is my favourite show in the world. It is, and I, and, but it also always makes me slightly nervous because I'm looking at the calendar. We are two years away from the next instalment, which is shocking. So it's been, this is the show I started in 2008. And there's one episode, one, one live instalment every five years. So we did 2008, 2013. And in a very short two years, it'll be the 10-year anniversary. And the idea is we're going until, yes, 2058. So um, I've just yeah, done a bit of wee just you bringing it up because I realise how much work I have to do. It's a lot of work for a show that, you know, is only seen by a couple hundred people in a room every five years. But I reckon with the advantages of Periscope and everything, Benjamin, mm. I, I, there might be a chance for live streaming of the next one. That would be very exciting, even Facebook Live. Facebook can... Live, exactly. That yeah. would be really cool, actually. Yeah, I, I've, we've planted the seed of thought in your mind. Yes. 
Now, um, something else that you've told me about is you're going to be doing some work for the ABC in the run-up to the inter- uh, the election. So, international listeners, it's equally as bad as it is over <laughs> here as in America, so we, we're, we're taking the piss out of everyone too. What have you got for us, Sammy? Well, we have... Um you know, and to international listeners, it's actually more. I'd sort of prefer to be doing the show in America because obviously it's a lot more fodder at the moment. But we're we're, got, we're in the midst of a fairly dull election campaign here in Australia, and uh, the ABC invited me to do some daily updates. So I have um, for the final three weeks of our election campaign, meaning that I'm going to be filming something at midday every day, and it'll be going out on, on the IVU on the streaming service um, at five o'clock every day. Um, so the show is going to be called uh, Sammy J's Playground politics and it's me in a sort of kids show format but very much aimed at adults but but we're doing craft activities we're singing songs we're dressing up just trying to digest the day's news so it's going to be a fun stressful high turnaround challenge that sounds like one of the most challenging th- things you may have ever done how long will these shows go for well they'll be uh, it's something like three or five minutes so fairly short yeah but um yes I, that won't make it any easier when it's midday and i've got <laughs> no idea or I've got to write a song really quickly about, you know, some sort of tax announcement that happened in the morning. But thankfully I do politics is my sort of sport. Like that's what I follow and I do love it. So it's it's sort of my dream job really, getting to combine that with dress ups and songs. Mm. Now last time you were here you were telling us about some political interviews you were doing. Any chance you might start those up again in the lead up to the election? Ah uh, well hopefully we're gonna get a few guests on this one. I won't name any names at all because it's currently there's an invitation sitting on the desks of a lot of media advisors around the country. But, um, yes, certainly tapping into that same sort of realm, which is, you know, um, poking and prodding politicians and seeing what their weak spots are. Mm. And how do you prepare for something like that? Because it's a very different kettle of fish from performing just normal comedy. Yes, it is, and, and it's a it's a work in progress because, you know, we're, we're a week and a half away from our first episode, but you can't really write a topical, if you want it to be ultra-topical, you know, <laughs> um, uh, thing this way, this this far out. However, there, there will always be recurring themes, particularly in Australian elections. You know, you can be very sure that the issue of asylum seekers and refugees is going to come up. You can be sure that education and healthcare will come up. So I'm working at the moment in broad themes and, and trying to come up with some sort of basic concepts, and then I can adjust once the series starts based on the news of the day. Mm. Well, it certainly sounds very exciting, and I wish you all the best for that. So, um, is there anything else that you've got lined up that you'd like to tell our listeners about? Well, um, no, I think well, you've, you've done a, you, as always, Benjamin, your research is impeccable. Uh, Thank uh, you. You've left me with nothing else other than to say any listeners in the UK, um, um, I believe, will be in Galway, Dublin, London and Yorkshire in the second half of July. So if you're listening and if you approach me after one of those shows, I will personally give you a, what can I, what can I give you? I will, I, will, I will nibble your ear for three seconds. That's my promise to you. That, there you I'll, go, everyone in the UK. I want to see we have some UK listeners and whether they're going to come to a show for an e-nibble. An e-nibble. I really hope they do now just to see if we can follow through on that promise. <laughs> yep, and we'll film it and you can put it on, on, the, on the website. Oh, that'll be brilliant. Well, uh, thank you very much and all the best with everything you've got going on. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you as always. That was my chat with the wonderful Sammy J. And you can find him on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. And uh, you can get tickets to his cabaret show on the Adelaide Cabaret Festival website. Now, as always, don't forget to check out our wonderful supporters, Mad Zombie Collectibles, Mad Mountain Entertainment and Palace Nova Cinemas. All their details are available on the website. 
Now, as always, there are tons of movie reviews to check out on the website under the movie reviews section, so look for those. And uh, until later in the month, I've been your host, Benjamin May McKay. I'll see you soon. <laughs>